Good morning, Chair City Church. So good to see you. It's October. Whoa. I, I just, I dig the month of October for so many reasons. It just, it hits me deep in my spiritual history. It's a good time if you're in New England, right? That's like our month in New England. You know, certain things you can count on. The air is crisp. The leaves are changing and beautiful. The Yankees are in the playoffs and they're up two games to nothing. Come on. <laughs> I went to a Journey concert last night. How cool is that? Had a great time. Me and my honey, me and my baby just had a blast. It was loud, huh? That's a loud concert. I've never seen so many speakers, the line arrays, that's a whole other conversation. It was a great concert. Uh, so my, my boy Justin, you don't see him a lot. He's, he heads up Kids Church. He's there. But uh, almost 20 years ago, uh, he came into this world, and there was a cluster of happenings around his birth. You know, that, that's a good way of saying it, right? I mean, I think one of them was, i just give you the blips, uh, a good portion of our bathroom wall ripped out. I mean, tile and sheetrock to the beam. Um, Christy getting to the hospital at nine plus centimeters, right? Yeah, so the guys, that's not a centipede, it's, it's a centimeter, and the guys, I guess so. So that, that's like she was at the goal line, man, okay? She was at the goal line. I mean, literally like one of the interns came and was like, whoa, and she ran out of the room, remember? And they came to examine you. And, uh, and, uh, and, then her, and then the doctor, I mean like the doctor, the doctor that was delivering her, our child got fired. And, and so, so these are like the, the, the blips here. There's some other ones. They say I had my hand in this. To, to what degree, I don't know. It's up for conversation. But, but, the, but the one thing that happened, and I don't talk about it a lot because it's just, oh, just, to this day, it just kind of gives me the willies. I don't know if that's the right word. See, all the other ones, those happenings kind of landed on Christy, for the most part, the difficulty. Uh, but, but this one landed on me. And, and you see, when, when Justin was born, I, was, uh, I just had emotions pouring out of me. I mean, there were emotions I didn't know I had that were coming out my ears. My, I was a ball of emotions, man, right? And, uh, and I, just, I, I, had demo- I, just, I just couldn't get my eyes off him. I, I couldn't be close enough to him. I, I, I wanted to be near him, looking at him. And uh, so I wouldn't let him out of my sight. It wasn't really a paranoia thing or a protection thing as much as I just, I just wanted to be near him. And uh, so, you know, it, and it seemed to be going okay, you know. The, and then it came time for his, um, his circumcision. And uh, they came in, doctor said, okay, we're going to take him now for the circumcision. And I said, okay, well, I want to come. She's like, what? I said, I, I want to come. She said, no, 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 I'm coming. I'm coming. That's it. I'm coming. So they go to talk to the doctor. He's like, doctor comes like, you sure you want to come in? I was like, yeah, I definitely. I, 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 thank you so much. I appreciate it. appreciate your patience. I, I want to come. He said, okay. Man, I shouldn't have went into that room. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. And it just happened so quick and whoo. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to like put it out there, you know. So, so you know, why did I open up and, and share that information aside from I usually like to embarrass my kids from up here. It's, it's one of the treats I get of preaching and being a pastor, right? But uh, you, you'll get it because today we're, we're starting a new series called, uh, on where we're preaching, teaching on the book of Galatians. Huh? 
and we're going to do that in the month of October. We're going to be pulling out some just some truths, foundational, applicable, life-changing truths in this book uh, through the month of October. Encourage you to just jump in and hold on to these truths. And then in November, just want to put it on your radar, that's our At the Movie series. So for the first time in the history of our church, we usually do our At the Movie series in June, July, but we're going to do it in November. Now, for, our, for those who, uh, you know, aren't familiar with this series, it's when we look back on the year and we take kind of blockbusters of popular movies that have been out there that we feel are appropriate. We, we, uh, we go into the movie, we pull out a, a theme, a spiritual theme that's in the movie, and then we see what the Bible teaches on that theme. There's nothing fluffy about it, nothing trivial. Lives are changed. People come to know Jesus. It's, it's, just, it's just such a ton of fun uh, what comes out of that. And so even now, begin to say, hey, you know what? Who can I invite? What friend, what neighbor can I invite you know, to this series. We want you to invite people all the time, but clearly this is kind of a, a great way to intro to somebody. Hey, you know, we're speaking about this movie, or hey, you know, we're, we're doing an at the movies, and, and it just seems to be conducive. In June and July, we would get a large amount. Once, one year we had more visitors. We get a lot of visitors on Easter, but we had more visitors one, one uh, four-week four period in this series than we did on Easter in July. To give you an idea. So, uh, so begin to think about who you're going to invite to act the movies. So, Book of Galatians. It's a great book. It's written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's, it's part of what he, we call the Pauline Epistles. And, and, he, and he's writing to a church that's, you know, been for the most part recently established. It's filled with people who had within, you know, a, a, a more near current amount of time come to faith in Jesus. They're unique in that these are non-Jewish people. The Bible would refer to them as Gentiles, and they've come to faith in Jesus Christ, right? The church is located in what we would know as modern-day Turkey. Paul had started a church, he, and now he placed leaders, uh, you know, put leaders in place, and now he's, you know, moved on, but he's maintaining contact with them, and he writes this letter, which is a significant communication to the Galatians. And, and it's so significant that it's in our Holy Bible. And it's intended to give the Galatians slash us. It's intended to give us the right perspective of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is your view? What is your perspective? How do you process this gospel of Jesus Christ? We're going to jump right in. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. You're going to get an idea on, you know, you know how reading these verses uh, in these last couple of days kind of took me down memory lane with the birth of my boy. So first Paul, uh, first uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. So Paul saying, hey, I got a bunch of people with me, and what I'm telling you, it's not from me. It's from God the Father. It's from Jesus Christ. I, I, I was sent by them, and I speak on their behalf. This is divine direction in what I'm bringing to you. It's what Paul's telling them. It's what, he, what I'm sharing with you. This is divine direction. Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. A Christian is someone who needs to be rescued. 
to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, the next verse is where Paul kind of gets confrontational. It's, it, it's, you can see the passion just building up in him. And it starts out in verse 6. says, I am astonished. I'm astonished. Right there, you know something's up, something's wrong. It's like when I would hear that word audacity when I was a kid. Oh, I so disliked that word audacity. Be like, you had the audacity to do that? You had the audacity to do this? You had the audacity to stuff up those toilets? You know, I mean, just all growing up, audacity, audacity. Paul's astonished, right? He's addressing a serious problem. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning, and this is important, and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So what he's saying is, so you, you learned the truth. You had this experience of grace and of freedom, this, this with, of love, and you're turning away and living, and, and, and in doing so, you're leaving out the most critical part of it all, and that's by doing so, and, having, and that's having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul calls this way of seeing, of perceiving the gospel, of living out the gospel, is no gospel at all. It's not just, it's just, it's not even a gospel. You see, what happened was that there was this group of people that came into the Galatian church. After Paul left, sometime later, they came in. And, and they were from Jerusalem, they were Jewish men who had converted to Christianity, and they were now coming into the church in Galatia, and they were telling them, hey, this is what you need to do to worship Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. And really, what they were telling them is, this is what you need to be, Jewish. But what they were saying is, hey, if you're a male, if you're a guy, in order to follow Jesus, in order to, they didn't call it a Christian, but in order to be part of the way, if you will, part of the church, if you will, you need to get circumcised. No, really. You, do. you need to get circumcised. And, and, and just saying it kind of hurts. <laughs> so Paul, out of obedience and love of God, had shared the gospel with them, tells them of the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, and now here are these men coming in, and they're corrupting that, by saying, hey, in order to join the club, you need to be circumcised, right? Meaning, in, in order to be right with God, in order to worship God, you need to be circumcised. What they were doing is what some of us can tend to do, certainly in a different narrative, in a different way. See, we find this grace of God, meaning we, we, it comes to us. It's, it's just free. And when it happens, it doesn't resemble anything of a religion. Nothing. We experience that moment where the love of God comes on us. And, 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 and we, we just sense this oneness, this nearness with God. It, there's, there's, no, there's nothing about a religion. There's nothing about a rule. There's not, it's, just, it's just so pure. It's so real, it's so beautiful, and it's so relational. 
It's not about doing this or doing that or not doing this and not doing that. And, 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 and Paul goes on to say in verse 7, it's when he speaks to it. He says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel. Well, they're perverting it by adding these teachings about what you have to do versus receiving the grace of God and the love of God. This is a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. You've come to faith in Jesus, many of you. Some of you, you're here today, and you do not know Jesus Christ intimately and personally. When I say relationship, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Many of you, you have on different levels experienced freedom from coming to know Christ, that grace. But we have a nature. Every single one of us, we have this nature in us. And, and it has a tendency to turn, to turn back to within ourselves, to where we rely on ourselves, we, we, what we can do for ourselves, how we can, you know, sustain, contain, you know, navigate for ourselves. And when that happens, we can turn our experiences and our impressions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is no gospel at all. We are, although be it unintentionally, perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're corrupting it. And so Satan, our adversary, is working through this to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can slowly drift from that magnificent moment when it was nothing but a oneness, a closeness with God. Man, that, that's like we would just tear, literally tear down the gates of hell. We would do anything and everything. There is no place more than we wanted to be than just in that presence of God, knowing the, the, the strength, the, the, the freedom, all sorts of adjectives, the peace, the joy that had come upon us. But then life goes on. And it begins to get a bit distorted. Or, or maybe some of you, if you're like I was from my teens into my latter 20s, you know, <laughs> you've attempted this Christianity thing, you've kicked it around a bit, but it just doesn't work. And, and, and perhaps this is why it doesn't work. Actually, I'm going to tell you this is why it doesn't work. Because you're looking at it more from this religious perspective of what you have to do, of what you have to stop doing, of what you're gonna, is going to be required of you, or can you do this, or can you do that, or can I give up this? And that's not it. It's about, a rela- it's about coming into relationship first with Jesus Christ, knowing the grace of God and knowing his love. That's where it begins. Anything else, really, there's no other way to say it, get it out. When I, you, you've got, my friends, you've got to recognize this. You've got to recognize this. It's got to be a fundamental but constant part of your relationship with God. Not just, oh, yeah, yeah, then. I mean, no, now, day to day. When, when I came to New England, I mean, when I came to New England, when I met Chris, I was 28. I really, I don't even, I think I might have been in New England one time for like a half a day. I, 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 mean, I was in Brooklyn. That's where I lived. <laughs> And so when I came to my met Christy, we started, you know, hanging out and going places together. I don't know, maybe a, f- a couple of months in, a few months in, we went to an Italian restaurant. 
And we sit down. I'm like, okay, I'm out in New York. I'm not in Brooklyn. I'm going to play it safe here because I don't know, you know, Italian food because nothing's better than Brooklyn and New York. So let me, let me order the raviolis. This, this is a safe play, right? So they bring me the raviolis, and I'm talking because I always talk. And, I'm, I, and I go, and I put a ravioli in my mouth. I chomp down it, and I'm like, I mean, look at that, spit it right out. I'm like, what's this? I pick it up, I look at it, I'm like, what's in this? I'm like, it's meat. I look, I'm like, there's meat in here. I open it, I'm like, there's meat in this one too. They got meat in here. She goes, yeah. I mean, it's a meat patty, it's not a ravioli. What is this? I'm, I'm upset, I'm offended. I'm like, what is this? She goes, it's a ravioli. No, no, it's not a ravioli. A ravioli is cheese, white cheese in a ravioli. That's why it's a ravioli. If you call a meat, meat patty a ravioli. What? This is like, this is a nice Italian restaurant. How could they do this? Don't even call yourself Italian restaurant. Jamaica, don't call yourself an Italian restaurant. You're going to put meat in a ravioli. Stop it. I'm, uh, and she's like, what? what, what? I'm, I'm, I'm like, just, I reject it. Every bit of my being rejects this. I spit it out. I want no part of it. See, this is how we want to be when it comes to any thought, any way of being where we attach who we are and what we do or don't do to us knowing God, meaning to us seeing that our relationship, what it is based on, right? We want to first and foremost know that our relationship with God is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God's soul of the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us. <laughs> Jesus Christ gave his life for us so that we would know joy and peace here and have eternal life with his Father in heaven. God loves us. That's the gospel. That's why we know him. It begins there. Anything, anything, that's your foundation. That's how you, when you, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, so let me pause because I'll go. I got some points here, and I just, and I don't want to do that. I did that before. Look, I got a question for you. How do you think you become godly? Really, how do you become godly? What is your approach to getting to know God? See, what happens is we can be led by our flesh, by our adversary, to going in a direction that the Galatians were being led by these people. And it's why Paul wrote them that letter. It's why we're speaking today about this. It's important that each one get us right. We got to get this right. It's such a critical element of our faith. Without it, we are so vulnerable to our adversary, to gaps, to inconsistencies, to our faith becoming just really somewhat, you know, ineffective, if you will. Look, I want to explain today the difference as best I can between choosing a religious path to Jesus, the wrong one, and choosing a relationship to Jesus, the right one. And some of you may say, oh, yeah, that's a cliche product. Yeah, we got that. We know that yeah, when we were new and we were Christian. No, no, no. This is for you. I'm telling you, this is for all. 
Are you living out your faith from the love of God and an intimate relationship with Jesus? Or are you living out your faith more from a religious perspective on what you can do and what you have to do? And I don't just mean like how my paper is. When it comes to God, when it comes to God, are you looking at it of what you need to do, what you're not doing, where you're, short, where you're falling short? Is this is how you're viewing your relationship with God that you've got to perform, that you've got to do? And, and just pause and slow it down. And when you consider how you're thinking of God, what's happening in there? Do you go right to, first and foremost, that just God loves me. Jesus Christ gave his life for me. Right, so let's jump ahead. Now, there's a few choices you have as far as what path you're going to take. The wrong one, the wrong choice that leads to this place of a religious way with God focuses on what you do. This thrust of your thinking and your interpreting of everything that's going on is centered on you. This is how it works. It's a natural way of being. It's who we are. Did I go to, did I go to church enough this year? Do, do I pray enough? Am I reading my Bible enough? Oh, good thing. Go, yes, go to church. Be in a community. You, you can't live out two-thirds or three-quarters of the New Testament unless you're a meaningful part of the body of Christ. Yeah, you can't. You're, you're, you, yeah, pray. God commands, calls us to pray. Read your Bible. But doing all that, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? You see, the other choices, you focus not on what you have to do, but you focus on what Jesus has done, right? So the, you assess the reality and the sincerity and the genuineness of your faith based on not what you're doing, but based on what Jesus has done. I mean, really, it floats your boat. So in the midst of these circumstances and how you perceive yourself and your identity, it's based on what Jesus Christ has done. His finished work on the cross and what that means for you. The result of that is you having eternal life and reconciliation with your heavenly Father. This is who you are. This is your identity. You see everything from this place. It's your starting point. His great love for you. You've got to focus on what Jesus has done. Meaning, say, okay, what well, by doing that, how's that going to solve that? It's going to put you on a trajectory to be sensitive to the presence of God, to knowing God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tilt you away from now going into a religious way of, of living out your faith and therefore living out a perverted gospel, which is just going to be so insufficient that you're really not going to rely on it. You're just not. You're going to have this instinctive way of just kind of circumventing the gospel, God's truth, his commands, because you're going to say it just doesn't seem to work and stick. And by the way, forget about results, just right now and where I am and who I am, it's just insufficient. Could it be that you're living out a perverted, distorted gospel unintentionally? That's what Paul is telling him, don't do this. This is no gospel at all. So, another choice focuses on getting God's approval. Wow. So when, when, I, when I would think of God, I imagine God as being, and I think a lot of people do, is kind of being distant, uh, kind of stern, right? 
um, and I just, I didn't just really see myself as lining up and, 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 and fitting this. And my family, you know, I mean, we were, you know, we believed in God. We, we believed in Jesus. We had certain practices that attested to that, but it really wasn't part of our lives. But enough that when I kind of gleaned into that whole thing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, just, you know, you know, I totally saw it as things I had to do and didn't have to do, and that is what dictated whether or not you were, you know, a Christian or weren't a Christian. And so my thing was like, yeah, that, that's just not, you know, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to be approved of in every single shape and form. And the older I got, the more I realized that. Now, in my case, I didn't even look to get the approval. I'm like, okay, this is not going to happen. And I'm not going to get approval by God, so I'm just going to abandon this thing, right? But a lot of people actually set out to gain God's approval. And, and, and some people never stop doing this. They're in faith 10, 15, 20 years. I know, I'm a pastor. And they're still coming at it from that way. I can tell by the way you talk about God. I can tell. I can tell by the way you interact with others. Because when you're doing that, you're really kind of bringing a condemnation on a judgment in yourself. And then I see how you can do with others, the way you're interpreting circumstances and situations. It's through that same condemning, judgmental lens. I, I approach God, the way I approach God, that I would know him and have relationship with him. And to be godly is I get his approval. That's the wrong path to take, right? It's just... Not the right way. You know, in that movie, the, uh, they say a lot of people see God in like the Wizard of Oz way and whatever. But I, there's a part of that movie where Dorothy goes before the wizard. She's looking for an answer to her problem, her, her dilemma. And he says, okay, well, here's how I'll help you. Go and get the broom, you know, bring it back to me, and then I'll, I'll get you home. Something like that. What he's saying to Dorothy is go, go prove yourself, right? Go prove your worth, right? The problem is when you, you are proving yourself and you're proving your worth, you're promoting yourself. That's what's happening. You're in a constant tendency to be promoting yourself to who? To you. And this is a distorted gospel. This is a, it's a contamination, a, a, a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ for you. I, I want this to be enlightening. I, I want this to be, to be taking weight off of you. The words are strong, but they're really they're empowering here to, to really the hope. Jesus said, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. You should be thriving and enjoying your faith. I'm going to get, a, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So the right way to do it, okay, is for, rather than thinking I need God's approval, Right? The right way is to, the gospel focuses on me receiving God's love. That's, a, that's, that's very different, right? Me living out my faith, seeing how I can get God's approval, what I'm doing and not doing, versus God loves me. God loves me. Well, I shouldn't do this, and that's not going to be good pause. God loves me. God really does love me. The God the almighty God, the God of heaven and earth, he loves me. Say it to yourself. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah well, I, I shouldn't be doing that and thinking like that. Poor, God loves me. He does love me. Dwell in that truth, huh? When I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, 
we kind of hit this topic about God's love. And um, when I was on the uh, Outer Banks for a couple of weeks, we went down to North Carolina to uh, vacay. And, uh, you know, it was, it was coming out of a, of a season for me. And um, it took me a few, about four days, I think, to just, just finally, my brain kind of stopped working, you know, the way it should, and, and me having some clarity. But before that, I was determined that I just wanted to have an increased, you know, closer to God. I wanted, I wanted a, the first week, I wanted to have an examination and conversation with me and God, just sitting there, God, waiting on God, talking to him, just, just having the Holy Spirit bring illumination to me, you know, between me and God. And I think it was the fourth day, because on the fifth day, I think I might have been telling Chrissy over coffee, I said, I, I, I realized something. <laughs> I says, I don't think I'm grasping how much God loves me. I said, I don't. I said, I, I, I don't think I'm grasping how much God loves me. I said, Chris, you know what? I know I might have a little tendency to, you know, we all do. We have a moment and we put it on everybody. But I, I said, I don't know. I, I think this one. I don't think we get how much he loves us. I don't. I don't think we really grasp how much God loves us. What it is. How true it is. How magnificent it is. And how it really does meet every deep need we have. We were made for this. I said, I, 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 said, I think it speaks to the human condition. But it, right now it just speaks to Dave. I don't think I'm getting how much God loves me, Christy. I'm not saying I've never gotten it, but I think this is what's going on. I need to grasp how much God loves me. I think I've kind of drifted into different things to, you know, help, to do this, to do that, to increase, to better habits, this, routines, boom, learning, you know, college, seminary, this, okay, God loves me. God loves Dave. Come on, that's awesome. That's it. Everything else is profitable. Everything else is beneficial. But it all has got to be built on this truth. Jesus Christ died for me. My sins were forgiven. I'm going to heaven. And this is God demonstrating his great love for me. This is the gospel. Anything else that circumvents that, it's going to be perverted and distorted by my flesh or my enemy, Satan. The way I see my wife, the way I see my children, the way I see where, where I've, uh, you know, have fallen short with them. And that's what, see, here's what happened. I can tell you this. What happened was, see, where the disconnect was, I don't know, let me see, I, I try to do this. One, I would have a tendency to try and become aware of that which I have fallen short, where I've sinned. Where I could be sitting with God in my relationship with Him, and 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 I would do that, you know. Uh, and and I was doing that because I want to I want to be on my guard, you know. Be on your guard, stand firm in your faith, be be courageous, be brave, do everything in love. First Corinthians sixteen, thirteen, and fourteen. And and you know what I realized was that what was happening was I. I was, I was carrying a burden, and I was carrying a displeasure into my intimacy with God. You see, I, 
as I, and we do this kind of pre-consciously. As I, as I was thinking of talking and meeting and coming close to God, I, I was considering these things that I weren't doing like I should do or wasn't thinking like I should think or where I, I, I was more of me than I should be of God. I, I was carrying that. And you know what happens? Because I was seeing it that way, it became somewhat displeasurable, I think, if I could say that, to go before God. There, there was a weightiness to it. And that which we find displeasurable, we will avoid. No, 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 you will. You're a human being. You're going to. If you find something displeasurable or, or weighty or burden, you're simply going to have an apprehensiveness to go there. I'm not saying you won't. I'm going to say there's going to be a natural, carnal resistance to that. And I think that, what, that, that, that is what was happening. So not that I would not do it, but I'd go there, but it, it just wasn't happening like I knew it should. And I said, you know why? Because I'm not going in there like God loves me. That's why I can do this. That's why I know he's there. That's why I, I, I can be sensitive to God. I, I know God, Holy Spirit is here because God loves me. And that's how we're going to begin now our time, you know, these times, wherever it is, minutes, hour, half hour, whatever it is. I'm going to have communion with God built on this great truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that God loves me. Yes? And now whatever comes out in there, now, now it's a cool conversation. Now, now when I look to that which I haven't done and it's coming from that God loves me, there's a freedom. It's a wonderful Right? There's, there is. There's a freeing there. There's a gladness there. There's a strength there. There's like, oh, wow, we got that. Let's go. Why? Because God loves me. This is nothing. Satan's got nothing on me. My, uh, my imperfections, my sinfulness, nothing. God loves me. There's a hope. There's a, there's a, there's a greater expectation. Is that making sense to you? Now, some of you think, oh, well, you know, if you, if you start thinking, well, it's all about God loving you, well, then you're going to have this license to sin and people do what they want. But like I said a few weeks ago, <laughs> if you're doing what you want, and I really want to challenge you that maybe you don't know God's love. I didn't say he doesn't love you. Oh, he does even more. But maybe you don't know God's love. Jesus says, if, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I used to see that as, you know, well, you know, there you go. That's how we know if you, Lloyd, that's how we know whether or not you love Jesus. Are you obeying his commands? John, Keith, that's, uh, Chris, have you, are you obeying Jesus' commands today? Because that's how we're going to know whether or not you love him. And Jesus is saying, I really believe, he's saying, if you love me, you're going to obey my commands. If you love me, meaning when you love me, this is not going to be a burden. This is not going to be burdensome. No, it's going to be freeing. This is not going to be displeasurable. This is going to be just uplifting. And even when you don't, it's okay. We're, going to, we're just going to come together in relationship. And you're going to lean and trust in me and know that I love you. And we're going to move this forward. You're going to turn. You're going to repent and come with me. And we're going to move this forward in a way that glorifies my Father in heaven. Yes? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means Jesus loved you before you even knew him. Before you had done or not done anything, Jesus loved you. God loved you. And he... And and he loves you and still does. So listen, love changes everything. We must know that love begins with God 
First John 1 John 1.9 says, we love him because he first loved us. When we're singing this closing song this morning, I want you to dwell on this. God loved me. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm singing this song. You know, not about, oh, how can I overcome this? Let that be a secondary, a causational type of a thought. But let you first know that God loves me. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm singing this song. That's why I have the breath. That's why I have the awareness of all that is good and not good. It's cool. God loves me. Let that be a lens that you interpret and see all things through. God loves me. Be satisfied in that. You know what it is to feel satisfied? I think it's Piper, John Piper says that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And when we are most satisfied in God, God is most glorified. So here is the last choices. One incorrect way to approach God, how to be godly would be to focus on external duty. Again, do it, do it, do it. I don't, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm not really into doing it, but it's the right thing to do. People sometimes when they do that with their testimonies, you know. Um, it's where I actually don't really give my testimony much. I don't. I think I've given it once in its totality, maybe one time in eight and a half years here I've done it. And it was on a January morning when it was snowing out. We didn't cancel in time. There was like 18 people there. And I said, you know what? Put the message aside. And I just tossed it out there. But you'll hear that. People will turn around and, and will speak about, well, you know, I had to give this up. And I was doing this. And it was great. But I put it aside. It's like, you know, oh, oh you know, yeah, we, we have to do this. It's this external focus, you know about what I have to do or what I've, you know, put aside. And, and it's laborious, man. Versus, right, that's the wrong way versus what? Focusing on internal desires, right? So rather than focusing on duty and what you have to do, what you have to give up is a duty, is an obligation. Focus on an internal desire, right? That brings this honor, this privilege, this reverence, this awe of what you get to be and who you really are as a child of God. Every time before I come in here to speak, when I'm in either the prayer room or in the green room, I'm thinking, okay, here we go. This is such a wonderful experience. This is so good. Christy and I were driving home from the concert last night, and she's saying, well, you know, we, you know we're going to get home late. How are you going to do your voice? You're tired. I said, you know, I, I don't know. I just know I, I said, you know, I just I love to do that. I love to speak to the people. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I said, Chris, yeah. I said, I love what we have there. The people treat us so well. They're so appreciative. They're so kind. They're so caring. It's such a privilege, man, to, to just be living this out week to week right now. And I just love to do it. You see, it, it's not an obligation. It's not a duty. I'm not focusing on that. It would be laborious. It would be a burden. It would be displeasurable. I'd be carrying it. No, it's, it's an internal desire, right, that God has birthed me to, to share this with you. And I I love it. I do. You see, there's a difference, right? I was telling her what it means to interact with you. And I was telling her how, I, especially when I'm connected in this right place, I'm like, the more I do this, Chrissy, I'm realizing, the more I just realize God's love, it's even creating a greater desire in me to be there with people. The more I'm realizing what God has done for me and how much he loves me, it's, it's, it's compelling me to do more. And, to, and meaning, when I say do more, meaning to, that there's more of me for God to use in people's lives, the more I realize his love for me. The best really is yet to come. I think it was about this point that she fell asleep, by the way, coming home in the car. 
Quincy does that. You know, thank God the music was so loud last night. I'm thinking 120, 130 decibels, if Ben would know that. But, and so Christy stayed awake. Otherwise, she would have fell asleep at the concert too, I think. I'm not kidding you. So 1 John chapter 5, verses 3, and, and says, in fact, this is love for God, to, you know, to keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome. If you don't know God's love, if you don't know Jesus Christ, then the Bible becomes a burden to you. It just simply does, right? <laughs> it, it, it's not the gospel. It's not life-giving. Love begins when you know Jesus and what he did for you. You came in here this morning, as many do, and you did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God and we believe that God has brought you in here. We do. We, we believe in a divine, supernatural force that is at play in this world and in our lives. We believe that when someone comes in here, that it was not by coincidence that God has orchestrated their paths to be here, that he would stir their hearts, that he awakened their spirit to his presence and his truth. And most of all, well, in all that, his love. That you're in here today to hear these words the God who created you, the God who knit you in your mother's womb, the God who breathed his spirit into your body to make you an animated being that loves and cares and thinks of the future, uh, that God, the God of heaven and earth, he loves you. God says this morning, I love you. I do. And I've given my son Jesus Christ so that you could be right with me. It's not because of what you have done and haven't done. It's because of what Jesus did for you. Know that. Believe that. You are cool. You are right with me. You stand before me right now as my child who sins right now. As you turn to me, as you turn to Jesus right now, as you profess faith within yourself to Jesus, as you cry out to God, I need you, God. God, I want you, God. I, I want you with me. I want you in my life, oh God. I want to continue this dialogue. I want to continue this communion. I want to continue this relationship that's happening now, this intimacy. I'm turning from the way I was living, and I sent you drawing me closer to you, that this is so much more desirable. I feel so well within my being when I even consider now and just sense what's happening in me now. God, here is my moment. This is my moment to give my life to you, to follow Jesus, to have that relationship. Not a religion. Religion would be thinking about what I have to change, what I've done. That's a false gospel. It's a perverted gospel. It's dead. This is life. The almighty God right now is drawing you close to him, is connecting to you. It says in Ephesians that he sets his mark on our soul, man. If you have been living out this phenomenal thing we call Christianity, and you have unintentionally not been living it out day to day, more days than not, from this foundational truth. God loves me. As you've lived out your faith and your relationships within your family, your spouses, your children, in, as you have navigated conflict in different areas of your life, as you've just tried to sort out what's going on in your head and where you're going and what's going on, and through all of that, are you seeing it through the lens of God loves me. Or is it just this kind of like a nice kind of like, you know, seat warming kind of fact that's out there? Don't let this truth be like this kind of, you know, this plug in and plug out. 
kind of, you know, warmer kind of a truth. Make you, no, no, this is it. This is life. Let it be at the forefront of your faith as a follower of Jesus. The way you view every conflict, every situation, anything and everything that comes into your life is filtered through God loves me. First and foremost, we start there. Do you hear me? Fall in love with Jesus today. Fall in love with Jesus today because of who he is and what he's done. It says in the scripture in 1 John, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I thought I had life. I did not. So I went to see the concert last night with my honey, and we had a blast. Uh, 33 years ago, 1987, October of 1987, is the last time I saw Journey. I'm a big Journey fan. I'm like, wow, 33 years ago, in October, 1986, actually, 1986, Meadowlands Arena, I see Journey. It It was their kind of ending tour. And I'm thinking back on where I was. And, 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 and my top three Journey songs, you know, the first one, my favorite was Any Way You Want It. You know, Any Way You Want It. That's okay. Okay, it's good. All night. Okay. Number two was Don't Stop Believing. It's a big one for you guys, right? It's cool. And number three was, and it's not that the song was so great, but I really dug the words. I really dug the words. They were like my anthem. I literally took them on as my anthem. It's how I saw life and how I live life. See, the third song was be good to yourself. Be good to yourself. There's a line in the song that just resonated in me, and I loved it. It says, be good to yourself because nobody else will. Lloyd, be good to yourself because nobody else will. Kathy, be good to yourself. Take care of yourself. Focus on yourself because nobody else will. John, be good to yourself. Consider yourself because nobody else will. And that's how I lived out my life. Dave, be good to yourself. Take care of yourself. Promote yourself. Prove yourself. Move yourself forward because nobody else will. And I, and I remember when I was 21 years old, because that's where I was, when I, last time I watched that concert, I was in the height of my depravity as a human being. And I thought I was cool. I mean, I, meaning I thought I was good. I was being good to myself. I was fulfilling all facets of my life that needed to be fulfilled in the way they needed to be fulfilled. I was being so good to me. And I was off the wall, man. I was so far gone from words like peace and joy, but I was good. And I stood there last night when they sang the song, because they did, and I'm thinking, oh, God, how did this happen? <laughs> how, how could this be? <laughs> There's no way. I'm 21 years old. If you would have told me 33 years later that I would be married, for 24 years to such a wonderful human being, that that I'd have four wonderful kids, that I would be living a a normal life, that that I would have a driver's license, wow, you know, and a social security number. I didn't get that stuff until I was 28 years old. I'm not kidding you. I didn't didn't have have a social, I mean, at least that's a whole other story. Anyway, 
I didn't need one. I'm sure the government thinks differently. <laughs> but I'm standing there thinking, how? But that I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know how. Because God loves me. And I stopped looking to be good to myself. And instead, I thought of how good God is. And what his love, I had that moment 26 years ago in October where I met God and his love. I'll close it out with this. And I'm just kind of chopping it up here. <laughs> you know, they ended the concert. I was going to show you clips, but it's a bit, you know, it's a bit much. And they ended the concert. The encore was, was any way you want it. But the end of the concert, they sang Don't Stop Believing, right? And you know how the song goes, you know, don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you for your hope. When 9,000 people were singing it, it worked out really well. Hold on to that feeling. You can't hold on to what you don't have. Listen to me. 26 years ago on that cold, brisk October night, right, I realized something. I realized what I didn't have. I realized what was happening and what I did have now. You know what I realized? That God had pursued me. And I say this, that's it. God had pursued me. Why? No matter what. No matter what, he kept coming to me. When I was, you know, when I was doing immoral things, it was there. When I'd walk into a store and buy something, I'd get changed. It was on a dollar bill, something about God. When I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be thinking, why, 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 where, why is this happening? Laying in a pool of blood thinking about God. Well, why, why? I don't matter where I turn, no matter, it's just there. And then I just knew that's why, because right now, God has pursued me because God loves me. And all I have to do right now is sit here and just be honest and sincere and open and acknowledge that love and start this conversation and begin this relationship, huh? And that's how it began. This morning, I want you to grasp God loves you. I want you to hold on to that which comes into your heart and mind and which you feel when you realize God loves me. Hold it. Gain satisfaction from that truth. The concert ended pretty cool and different from one Perry. At the end, their new lead singer came up to the front. It was like a, it was kind of a platform there. And they all bowed, you know, after they did their encore. And he came up and he stopped and he looked out at everybody. He said, hey, God bless you. God bless all of you. Like from an internal thing, huh? How cool. Thank you for hearing me out today. Thank you for letting me share God's word with you. I love what I do. I care for you. Thank God for what he's doing here at Chair City Church. To God be the glory.